someone stood up in a crowd and raised his voice up way out loud and waved his arm and shook his leg, you'd notice some. If someone in the movie show yelled, Fire! In the second row! This whole place is a powder keg! You'd notice some. And even without clucking like a hen, everyone gets noticed now and then. Unless, of course, that person it should be. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know. your ears you'd notice some suppose you was a woman wed and sleeping in a double bed beside one man for seven years you'd notice him a human beings made of more than air with all that bulk you're bound to see him there unless that human being next to you is unimpressive undistinguished you know Once again, namaste and shalom to myself, from myself to all you out there in the audience, returning viewers, new viewers, 
And if you're a new viewer, please hit the like button, uh, comment below, just let me know you're joining up, you know, uh, subscribe. If you haven't already, hit the bell for notifications. YouTube is going through the new presidential transition big tech blitz of blocking new videos and desubscribing people. And for, because I've been a, uh, a YouTube member since 2012, and to be honest, it was something that I just kind of slowly went from like deep web Ubuntu style, like rejecting uh, mainstream because I was just so counterculture and cool about everything back in my younger days that I just didn't really like YouTube. And then and appreciating it growing, you know, uh, more appreciative of the services and the reach and the, the platform itself. Um, that since 2012 and onward, I've heard about people being unsubscribed, having their subscription level capped, where, say, they reach a certain point and then there's no positive growth um, or negative growth or having views taken away from them, etc., etc., to hurt their impressions. And then a lot of it's blamed on the automatic algorithm, the AI that is used uh, to help... Uh, create traffic and it's based on interactions between the audience and say for example like watch time per view uh, the average is everything that if you're a YouTube creator you know from the studio because that's the data that it reflects from the studio and it goes even deeper than that more advanced levels of algorithmic thinking you know you know um, from the recommendations and everything it's a very complicated uh, pursuit of very limited space and opportunity but um I have now, after eight years of following conspiracy channels and things like that, began to myself be personally affected by being unsubscribed um, to my own, um, you know, favorite channels and things like that over time. And then slowly kind of questioning, well, why hasn't that channel produced new material? They did usually regularly uploaded, you know, what are they getting up to? Well, searching them out. And then finding that I had been unsubscribed and uh, my notification bell been, you know, clicked off without my um, doing, without my agency, without, I didn't do it. It wasn't something that they would do, you know, obviously. Uh, True Stream Media specifically was the latest channel that I realized this was an issue because I was like, what are they doing? What's True Stream Media up to since 2020? Like, looking at their, I uh, searched them up and I was unsubscribed. I've been a subscriber of theirs since. Well before 2016, yeah, well before 2016. That was one of the channels I was watching in New Orleans uh, with Elizabeth. Sorry, there's freaking flies everywhere. And that, um, that was one of the channels I was watching in New Orleans with Elizabeth in 2014, kind of as an entry level to uh, conspiracy theories and to uh, the new wave of truthers. I guess you'd call it a, a younger uh, sensibility for truthers because I was only 27 at the time. So yeah, very, very um, important that everyone checks the subscriber, the subscriptions uh, regularly for your channels that you support so that you can keep supporting them and keep being notified about the uploads. Not just my channel, but other channels in the YouTube community. They're working overtime to uh, destabilize and demoralize uh, amateur truth channels. They're putting in a lot of trolls, a lot of shills, a lot of bots, a lot of, uh, you know, arguer uh, droids that all I do is want to cause arguments and, and bullshit like that 
Um, so be aware for sock puppets, ghost accounts, things like that. It's mostly overseas um, um, accounts from third world countries uh, that they're kind of farming out so that they can really, really uh, shill the shit out of American people. But, but we exactly are not afraid of that. So we just have to keep our minds about it because once you know, uh, you know, knowing's half the battle. So. We're going to get back into reading the uh, Conspiracy Iceberg list, and I am going to try to do a better job at that. This is an ongoing series, of course. It's a labor of love, and I'm going to try to really get into um, each and every single one of them, at least briefly, for like a second or two, you know, like just, just skim them over and uh, really kind of elaborate not only on them, but also... Uh, my opinion of them, so that I'm kind of up front, and this is just kind of like expunging and, you know, purging all this pent-up research and knowledge, just sharing it with everyone, uh, as the new year transitions, and as I get serious about making fuller-length documentaries about specific subjects in the SSP, Super Soldier Program, Underground, Government-type thing, New World Order, uh, Space Projects. And against uh, the clandestine operation of these higher power, multi-dimensional uh, entities, such as space governments, the Galactic Federation, your Doctor Who figures in real life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so basically, that that's going to be one of your documentaries: Valiant Thor, the real life Doctor Who. So we'll look forward to that longer form, uh, more professionally uh, created documentaries and uh, and projects in life. So let's go. Because I, I don't think there's a doubt about my industriousness and my seriousness about this topic, because I've already made somewhere close to over a hundred videos on the SSP. So it's something that I am really, really, really invested in talking about, like you know, speaking about and specializing in these this other conspiracy stuff. It's just a more well-rounded regiment and a knowledge, a portfolio of knowledge, a, a like you know, um, uh, curriculum vitae, you know, your body of work. So, let's get into it. Uh, Momo, like I said, Momo was that internet sensation about it be called a number, it would, it would scare you, it was um, ARG, basically, a massive hoax, much like um, um, the Blue Whale scandal in um, Russia, where kids were basically following these uh, troll um, lists of uh, like you know manipulation and, and people who were lonely and depressed were urged to kill themselves uh, and they did like the Momo craze was important because it led to suicides uh, fear based suicides and was absolutely terrifying for a segment of Latin American populations from South America and Mexico specifically because of their naivety and their cultural uh, proclivities to witchcraft and to uh, specific demon possession thus giving it credence that maybe there was real demonic forces behind it. But really, um, human psychology, human psychic power, human spiritual power can give manifestation to darker forces which are ancient, not specifically uh, associated with things like, uh, as childish as Momo, but Zozo, for example, can be channeled through Ouija boards and just through intent, just through meditation and focus. Um, that's just demonology 101. Demons are real. Trump-Russia collusion. 
that is absolutely uh, the conspiracy smokescreen um, to throw off the Clinton-Russian collusion and the Clinton email scandal uh, perpetuated by the big media in itself is both a statement against the validity of those kinds of conspiracies, the nature of conspiracy thinking themselves, uh, given extremism and fervism, say for example the anti-Trumpers, uh, Trump denialists, uh, Trump haters, like the irrational phobics of Trump regardless of fact or fiction because they are being drummed up and in, into a fervor by big media and big tech, exactly like say for example agenda-driven uh, conspiracy theories as well as uh, how conspiracy theories are used as smoke screens to cover up other events, operations by the deep state, operations by the Department of Defense, the military, uh, people who are in charge and authority of guarding American security, who are oftentimes dealing against American security, against the Constitution, and against the, uh, the uh, oaths that they had... Um, themselves personally uh, uh, bowed and sworn to uphold the COVID hoax. So COVID obviously is a hoax. Um, you know, it has a 99.999 survival rate or something, 995 survival rate. The idea of the hoax itself in this case, becomes the conspiracy as to who exactly is operating it, perpetuating it, and fulfilling it. Now, I think it's an amazing work on how deep state uh, psychological control operates through business and operates through the economic uh, government front, which is a kind of warning against socialism itself. Like, the very... Uh, nature of socialism itself because once the government reaches a certain uh, agenda it enacts that through the control of merchandise and mercantilism uh, cross country travel and trade and the fact that all these countries um, seemingly endorsed it regardless of the scientific efficacy of it proves that the new world order is actually a a functioning apparatus. It's not merely a good a pipe dream or a you know bourgeois fantasy where they're saying like yes now that we have signed all these this paperwork that there'll never be another uh, you know there'll never be another uh, disagreement between these unified powers like the 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 allegiance is ironclad. Uh, I think the coronavirus proves that. The allegiance really is ironclad. That the allegiance really is an alliance of like-minded, uh, neo-capitalistic, uh, what would you call it, like democratic socialist nations modeled after European nations with heavy post-industrial investments into uh, the control of capital, you know, international business, like higher level, like shit, allowing the world to basically become a third world um, controlled by industrialist slave masters, um, you know, with little regard to preservation or um, longevity because they are both the controllers of it and they are above and beyond the system that they control. Do you think that the wealthiest people and most powerful people in the nation fear 
um, economic collapse or ruin. No, that only affects the people on the very bottom who are firmly, firmly entrenched in that doctrine of existence. For example, if the U.S. dollar goes bankrupt and has no value, they have their value already set in cryptocurrency and hard currencies like gold so that whatever the new system to occur is, they're already positioned to be the most wealthy people in the world. They do this because they have that money to spend, money which has no future. So they can dominate the moment to dominate the future. It's who controls the present controls the past, who controls the past controls the future. That's the COVID hoax. Roswell. So Roswell is your introduction into military cover-up 101. Uh, specifically, the cover-up of crashed flying saucers, UFOs, extraterrestrial technology, uh, supernatural entities, unexplained animals, um, you know, things which are deemed above top secret by the Majestic 12 type, you know, New World Order military defense, um, you know, establishment heads. So basically these leaders, these authorities, dictate whether or not um, the, the people have a right to know upon discovery. What the people will never, ever have a right to know about, or have a right to, is the possession of the physical artifact itself. People may be allowed to know about the flying saucer crash or the extraterrestrial technology recovery after the fact, after a set number of years, absolutely possible, which is, I think, what happened in Roswell. Do I think that at the time, though, this was a perfect example of how they operate? Um, yes, that they recover. They, they spend a lot of resources and manpower to recover any extraterrestrial technology domestically uh, available, or not available within their reach. They then obfuscate and deny and use the chain of command to uh, lay down a cover story uh, plausible deniability they process the whole affair in house and you know make everyone either swore to silence or dispose of them over time and I'm talking over the course of days to years that they'll slowly start removing specific uh, troublesome figures to to keep the cover story, either via car accident, you know, suicide, drunken misadventure, things like that, and they'll do so with their network of FBI agents, CIA agents that can pose deep cover and gain access to people who, uh, you know, everything from ex-military officers upon retirement can then be given, you know, bad luck, uh, assassinated, things like that, removed from the cover up equation. Uh, quite efficiently. This is the case for Roswell. Also, it, it does actually uh, fit a Venn diagram for nuclear secrecy, Cold War secrecy. So they do, they're doing nothing that's extraordinary for the military to have done during the Cold War. If they'd caught you being a Soviet spy, for example, they could liquidate you quite efficiently. And if they, they wanted you to be a spy, or an undercover agent, you had really no choice in the matter besides uh, cooperating uh, to the fullest, you know, and, and doing your best to survive, which is exactly what I think the immediacy of the Roswell incident was, was that ultimately the people 
had to survive, and thus they could not obsess over the details of right and wrong or truth and untruth. They just had to move on if they were going to keep moving at all. 5G. 5G opens the doors to the understanding of Wi-Fi radiation, Wi-Fi as a weapon, um, the harmful effects of wireless energy transmission, uh, such as even the earliest days of radio waves and what it's done for people, background radiation. Um, like I said, they, Miami has enough floating radiation due to the amount of cell phone uh, signals and wireless computer signals as Chernobyl. This is something they'll never tell you living inside urban areas in America is that you're being exposed to as much background radiation as hotspots like Chernobyl or Fukushima. Those nations, though, are operated much, much more strictly um, than the American um, less-is-fair attitude to its own society. Thus, America's cancer rates are through the roof. Mental illness rates, genetic illness, such as like uh, retardation and, and uh, negative syndromes like AS, uh, ALS, and um, you know, like it's it's muscular dystrophy, things like that. That's absolutely a cause by the wireless permutations of energies we know as radio waves, internet wireless signals, electricity, such as they know being born into power lines, things like that. 5G is just the, the opening window because it's so powerful compared to other radio, other Wi-Fi signals, but um, ultimately I think the paranoia of 5G is the same as a, un, a technologically ignorant society um, espousing the most fears the, the paranoia that I think is uh, very common. It's very much human nature to be very cautious with high technology, especially that which you don't understand and that which is very important to uh, things that you also don't understand but, but need. Say the functioning of society is converting over to 5G. You need society to exist. You also need your physical health to exist. Society seems to be failing. Your physical health seems to be failing. Those things could be uh, caused, you know, by a mutual uh, source. 5G is that source. And so you see that, like, African tribes thinking that if you're taking their temperature, you're reading their mind, you know, and telling them how to vote in the next election, the Congolese election, which is something that is important to their lives. The running of the nation that their tribe exists in. But technologically, they're not very advanced, so it causes them to be very paranoid. Because the system of the Congolese nation is harmful to their tribe. This technology was presented them, to them by that system. Those overlords who seek to control them, and they don't seem to care about their physical well-being. Like I said about America's background radiation, 5G. That's the same thing, is that this is... You know, we're ultimately just tribals. We're becoming further and further technologically ignorant. And thus we're becoming further and further paranoid about the advancements that our technological masters or overlords are presenting to us, sponsored by government research. 
if the government is already showing that they don't really care about our well-being, how much more can we distrust the gifts that they are presenting to our society under the guise of improving our way of life, which we are translating as changing the traditional values of which our tribe has maintained itself and thus sustained itself. Same way people hate veganism. Veganism is not inherently an evil or new uh, way of, of, of treating you know, your body to the nutrition, like basically eating, just eating and producing nutrient stuff. But it was considered with great suspicion amongst the average traditionalist household because it was seen as an invasive, uh, somewhat detrimental and harmful um, a new practice because it rocked the boat so much from the traditional way of uh, understanding how meals are prepared, how, understanding how the human body needs nutrition, and it was presented by outsider, seemingly um, antithetical, like oppositional forces, such as those who may uh, support communism. You see how the veganists' uh, New Age connections which were then loosely connected to socialism and communism domestically, internationally, uh, and thus, you know, became almost an enemy of the state, you know, to be a vegan, and has had such negative connotations for many, many years, even though I think the biggest criticism of veganism was that Hitler was a vegan, and if, if Hitler was a vegan, maybe you should, that's what I'm saying, like, no one ever puts that together, but they'll say that vegans or a communist plot to make Americans weaker, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know. No, so I'm thinking about the 5G. Uh, the phone I'm filming now is 5G. It's not like I'm going to grow a tail or, you know, my mutant, my genes are going to liquefy. It's, it's another product as they slowly initiate the society to technology, which can be akin to magic because it's so much more advanced than the simple understanding of mechanical engineering that we possess now, which is based on an analog physical level of basically hitting rocks with bigger rocks. It's gear systems and, uh, you know, machinery, which is itself beyond the capacity for most of the modern population to understand. Uh, simple mechanical engineering or machinery processes. Say, for example, how a watch works. Most people don't understand how physical analog watches, like pocket watches, work anymore because everything is already transitioning to digital and the the fundamental skills of an industrial society are quickly becoming lost thus leading to more futuristic paranoia the more reliant society has to become upon it because of their own technological ignorance and naivety to when kids are being born now in new generations and will have never ever learned practical mechanical engineering like how gears work how pulleys work how axles work things like that like they'll just go through life thinking everything is wireless and thus absolutely basic their entire worldview and their own fears and phobias on the digitalization of society fear is really indicative of the knowledge and worldview one possesses what you're afraid of is really what you're only able to understand. Simple as that. What, what really scares you the most is what you truly 
limit yourself to understanding. UFOs, unidentified flying objects, uh, basically, like I said, there's always going to be unidentified flying objects as long as man cannot identify the things that they're watching fly through the sky. Just as long as there is top secret craft, phenomenon that we can't, exp that we can't uh, readily explain away, uh, creatures which um, we'll never really get to possess or, or, or capture because they travel you know, so quickly or interdimensionally or high altitude wise, um, will always simply be theorized. I'm talking about sky snakes. That's right, sky snakes. They were filmed by NASA astronauts flying around high orbit. They're fucking huge. They're like Chinese dragons. They're weird. These are, they're weird. But that's a UFO. You know, it's a completely biologically sourced UFO. Sky jellyfish, for example, qualify as UFOs. The white Learjets that fly over my house qualify as UFOs. Even though I can explain that they are Learjets, I still can't explain away their flight pattern or their designation or source or motive, but who the pilots are, who created them, what model of Learjet they are. But I understand that they are easily seen as Learjets. Simple fuselage, short wingspan, you know, high-tech engines. Still qualifies as UFOs. JFK. Like I said, JFK is a great little starter conspiracy, but it's a rabbit hole made up of rabbit holes. Once you start really delving into the JFK conspiracy, really you just have to look, use your own eyes. I think it's a perfect stepping stone for people who are told information to believe, the Warren Commission coming to its conclusion, versus people who use their own eyes to see information and objectively think about the truth. Clearly, there's video evidence in the Spruta film of the driver assassinating JFK, yet the entire idea of Oswald or a rifleman shooting him from a distance is the majority of people's uh, fixation because it is something they're told to believe rather than observe themselves. Same thing with the magic bullet situation because that is something that they are told to believe rather than observe themselves. And it really comes down to that case what you're told to believe rather than what you observe yourself. you got to think for yourself. Even when it comes down to matters of such national importance, I think a lot of people start going into the rabbit hole of JFK's, the Cuba connection, the, the lifestyle connection, the, the skull and bones, the Kennedy family, the CIA, the connection with the Bushes, things like that. And they really... They really become involved and invested in finding out the truth because this is kind of like, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder 101. This is psychological trauma and warfare 101. And that people become immediately aware of their vulnerability to something, the apparatus of the Intelligence Committee, which is, um, I think the intention of the JFK situation, the conspiracy, is to make people fear, is to put the fear of God inside the everyday person, because if they can kill the president, then they can kill you. And I believe absolutely it was done with the president's uh, blessing, and I believe it was a ritualistic self-sacrifice for him to reach uh, Gnosis, it was a Masonic act in Dealey Plaza, Temple Plaza of the Sun, 
Um, the driver shot him uh, at, a, at a precise moment in time that was astrologically significant. There's a lot more weird moving parts behind it, but then again, he was a little weird a secret society belonging member from Yale. This is absolutely up his alley. You know, this, this is one of those things where it's a rabbit hole made of rabbit holes. Same thing with uh, Martin Luther King. Same thing with Martin Luther King. Uh, there's no coincidence that they were both shot around the same time. Same thing with Robert, uh, F. Robert uh, Kennedy. Same thing. These were absolutely um, self, um, self-sanctioned hits, like suicides, via hitman. I know that's a weird thing to understand, but in the true crime world, that's actually kind of common. Is to, not common, but it's not unheard of. Um, to have a man pay another man to kill him at a random point in time or a specific point in time. Um, various factors are involved, but yes, people have suicidal tendencies. People have suicidal urges and thoughts and plans and actions. And one of the ways that they accomplish this is by paying a hitman to murder themselves. Not, not the hitman to murder the hitman, but the hitman to murder them. And they hire him and pay him to, to accomplish this goal. JFK did this. He paid his own secret service uh, to shoot him. And the details are many, one of which is that he was in constant agonizing pain to the point of his, his lifelong morphine abduction, uh, um, addiction and things like that. With, because of his uh, hurt back in a uh, Navy accident. So, there's a lot of uh, moving parts to that. A lot of rabbit holes in that one big rabbit hole. Epstein, same thing. Same kind of situation. I believe Epstein's murder slash suicide thing is uh, his, his fake death um, was a ritualistic uh, attempt at scaring the elite but it was all insider on insider and I have seen the pictures where he is still alive on Epstein Island I have seen the the new uh, photos where he's uh, giving testimony to uh, federal courts under a disguise I've seen the photos of his supposed dead body where he had tattoos uh, and he looked much more like Anthony Bourdain even with analysis on the ear and the nose and the face profile and the uh, body dimensions than he'd ever looked like Epstein. So basically they switched out his body with Anthony Bourdain's, who was also a guest on Epstein Island uh, after Asia Argenta killed him during hardcore ke- choke sex. I mean, so she killed him with choke sex crushing his larynx, making sure that the autopsy, even the autopsy person probably had performed a real autopsy on Anthony Bourdain and realized later, oh, that wasn't Epstein. Like, that just wasn't the same body. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but how many times do you get a good look at a guy who's dead? And, and like you say, if they told you that's Epstein and he was a guy with gray hair, you would assume, yeah, that is, because, I mean, sure, he looks a little different, but he's dead. And then he put it together, probably had that, because he did. The doctor in the Epstein scandal in the case was the most vocal pro- opponent to the whole idea that he had killed himself. He said that it was a murder. Fake news, same thing. Once you understand the CIA controls the news media and start reading things like the quote, um, sorry, sorry the, the quote that the CIA's mission will be accomplished 
wants everything that the American citizen thinks he knows is false. Like that kind of thing. Uh, Operation Mockingbird. Um, CIA creating books, professors of uh, journalism to teach new generations um, how to report to their liking. The whole infiltration of schools, journalism, since the Chicago School, uh, Columbia, uh, things like that, NYU, um, you know, and so basically, fake news is a multi-generational Cold War apparatus, the same thing in Orwell's 1984, where the government owns the newspapers, and uh, the government is all media and all journalism, it's the, it's the definition of the deep state. That was written in the monarchy totalitarianism of the British government, you know, the, the British fascist uh, movements in World War II. So, just goes to show that it's not new to America. This is much, much more ancient than people like to imagine because, uh, yes, America was, de- was built on the promise of freedom and the promise of free speech, but it was the English colonies before that. So, if you really imagine America never really had a moment of free speech, besides maybe a small window, but the state during the Civil War was able to abolish most of the provisions of the Constitution, including the right to criticize the government, and uh, specifically the Union. So as the Union won the Civil War, that was never revoked. It was the reason why Kennedy was assassinated was due to perceived tyranny and revoking the articles of the Constitution regarding free speech, especially political opposition, during times of a civil war to preserve the Union from the Confederacy. And do you understand that the martial law that was enacted during the Civil War was never repealed either? We've existed in a state of national emergency since JFK's assassination. Fake news. That was like, it's, it's all fake news. It's been fake news since if, uh, since Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Do you think that kings and queens of other countries allowed people to ever say anything bad about them? No, there's no such thing as freedom of press in a political system as corrupt as the ones that exist now. It's the same as here. There's not one country. If a country has free speech, it probably doesn't have anything going on to talk about. That's what I'm saying. Like, if a country values free speech, it probably has no op- uh, affairs of state. Like, who the fuck cares if we talk about in Barbados about what happens in Barbados? They don't do fucking nothing. That's like, was the president wearing shoes? President wearing shoes. I was like, real states, real operations of government and of governance require utmost cooperation and secrecy at every apparatus at the state level. And all dissidence is destroyed, is absolutely assassinated and liquidated. Uh, it's one of the laws of power. It's Machiavellian to the, to the extreme. This video is getting up there and I'm only on line two. So I'm trying to run through a little bit more of this. I guess I'll only get done the NPC tier in this video slash uh, podcast episode because I think I'm simultaneously recording as well. I hope that's still going on. Okay, so Area 51, the the idea of top secret bases being kept off uh, maps, things like that, uh, 
just 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 look into Google Maps's complicity, uh, or I guess cooperation with the Department of Defense in blurring out certain t uh, national security sensitive areas from their Google Maps services, their satellite imaging services. Um, same thing as Area 51. Everyone that you think would be more invested in telling the truth, such as the media, such as uh, map, you know, cartographers, heads of state, things like that, is more complicit with keeping the status quo of top secrecy, including the denial at Area 51. Bill Clinton, President of the United States, was asked point blank during a conference if he believed in Area 51. He said it didn't exist. This was in the 90s. We had VHS recordings of it. We had video of it. We had video of Janet, the just another terminal, a non-existent terminal. We had video evidence of UFO-like uh, aircraft crashing nearby, flying around. Bob Lazar had already come out with his testimony. Area 51 was a proven fact, but officially, it didn't exist until 2013. I was in the Navy in 2011 and 2012. I spoke about Area 51 once while working um, with my, I guess you call it my little uh, battle buddy co-workers, my, my, uh, my uh, the people in the FRC with me, and basically they, they shot me down in such a way that I was like, really? In 2011? Like, cause I said, oh, you know, like we can work at Area 51. It, you know, if, if someone notices how badass I am and everything, and they say, "Oh, that doesn't exist," immediately, like, "Oh, that doesn't exist." That, they, don't be stupid. Like, why would the why would UFOs be? And I was like, "We work on a on a secret clearance master jet base in Virginia that no one else really knows about. Like, even though it's public, even though it's it's, it's not top secret at all. Like, everyone knows they exist, but it's still very obscure. And everyone is." videotaped, it's it's filmed, there have been interviews with people who work there, you know, it's because the, the from the very top the commander in chief, if they tell you it doesn't exist even if you see it with your own eyes you know, you're not supposed to say anything about it and, like even bringing up UFOs or bringing up things while working at Oceana in Virginia Beach, which later became the, uh ground zero for the U.S. Navy's disclosure of UFOs, of UFO sightings by its F-18 jet pilots because it's the master jet base of the Atlantic Ocean, of the Atlantic Coast. That, like, they, they had seen more UFOs there and recorded them. Uh, incredibly unexplainable uh, UFO activity you know, that I had also witnessed while down there. Speaking about it, in that moment though, in that circumstance and context, was absolutely taboo, absolutely taboo to the point that you would call it, you're being called an idiot, you're being called a fool, you're being called crazy, you were being called, uh, you know, just uh, every name in the book about how ludicrous you were behaving. And it was like completely divorced from reality. It was that's why I started realizing rejecting that system of, of being like a, a fed in that way because I'm not going to 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 divorce myself with reality you know I have more of self-respect for the truth and for myself and to be honest 
than than um, you know to be a squared away airman like that. Like you know, I had to tell someone I'd seen UFOs while working at Oceana. I had to tell someone that I was recovering my SSP experiences, psychic awakening, things like that. I had to because it was honest, because it's the truth. Fake moon landing. Yeah, moon landing's fake. Fake as fuck. Moon landing's fake. Fake as fuck. Terribly fake. Watch the... Don't even watch the original moon landing. Watch the subsequent moon landings. Just just do it. Just, just absolutely watch the subsequent moon landing footage. There's a reason they stopped filming them. They absolutely look ridiculous like Godzilla films. Ridiculous. Like, when you really stop and think about Godzilla uh, as a man in a suit walking around a, a scale model of a city that's how ridiculously fake everything looks and then you're like oh I get it. this is for children which is exactly what those moon landings are for they're filmed to entertain children we've had we've had a real moon base since the fucking uh, 40s we've had a real moon base occupied by the US army since the 50s We've been able to get to Mars since the 70s and built our first colony there in the 80s. We came into contact with extraterrestrials in the fucking, like, 19, or 1890s. We've had airships and things like that, like, uh, entirely airborne nations, uh, massive air forces, uh, armadas of, of high altitude, uh, lighter than aircraft since the 1890s. We have been on our way to becoming galactic species and we already are an interplanetary species with Solar Warden things like that. I'm not saying that the moon landing fake has uh, any reason why we can't get there. No, we've gone to infinity and beyond already. I'm more of the camp. I'm not like, oh, we can't go through the firmament. There's space doesn't exist. Flat Earth, though, the Bible. No, I'm more of the camp of the black budget, you know, aviation specialist skunk works guys who were like whatever you can dream we can do it we're 50 fucking years ahead of you guys on simply imagining shit like let alone making it work we're generations ahead of you anything you see on Star Wars Star Trek we've been there done that and do better uh, like I said we have the capability of getting E.T. across the stars to home that's the reality that we're living in and the reality they're keeping from us is the reality, say, for example, that Boeing knows about, that uh, McDonnell Douglas knows about, that the U.S. Navy knows about, and uh, the U.S. Air Force knows about. You know, it's not the fact that they can't get there, it's the fact they get there every day. Hundreds of times a day. It's child's play to them. MK Ultra. The brainwashing and hypnosis through trauma that um, that has been umbrella termed as MK Ultra, um, absolutely fascinating concept, uh, especially when you think of it as the the remnants of European um, aristocratic training of people in a court of of what you would call your courtsman, your king's court. Uh, you know, the creation of the new elite, which I think MK Ultra it really is for. Obviously, it was tested on 
everyone. It was tested on the outliers, the fringe, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the people who were not going to be believed, uh, regardless of what happened to them. Uh, eventually now it's been given to the majority, the masses. But really I think it's specifically reserved for the elite, which is why when we see celebrity culture, they are heavily, heavily steeped in that kind of cultural transmission of symbols and values and, and themes and codes and things like that. It's because they are who they are, elite, because they are sensitive and receptive to the MK Ultra education that's usually reserved for secret society initiates, neophytes, and mystics. You know, hardcore occultists, people who are, are open to the possibilities of the great beyond and communicating with higher astral powers. These people at a very young age are susceptible and sensitive to that and once provided that education, adhere to it. Now they become soldiers to it. They become, um, you know, uh, teachers in their own right. And now you have your culture, you have your society's first roots. And what we're seeing now in a hundred years will be the standard, probably even the most popular of religions and faiths inside the American tribe, the American nation, is the idea of, uh, you know, the Freemasonic, Kabbalistic, um, Manichaean, uh, Zoroastrian type of bicameralism, the black and the white checkerboard, which is represented um, also in the Mormon faith. And you're going to see a, and there's a reason why the Mormon faith is one of the largest growing faiths currently, as is Judaism. And it's because they're reseeding, restarting those ancient Babylonian systems of control between the black and the white uh, type of checkerboard reality through what we know as MK Ultra programming, subliminal messaging, art, things like that. Through society, uh, specifically through entertainment, music videos, movies, things like that. Basically, starting once again what once was. And, and you know, fell through the wayside over time. Through the Great Reset. So it's ancient, ancient principles. Ancient Babylon principles. Returning again in society after having been forgotten during the Great Reset which was the mud flood, the war between Atlantis and Mu, what we know as Tartaria, etc., etc. Bigfoot. I've already worked on this. Uh, I had my own specific video where I spoke in 30 minutes of what I think Bigfoot is. Bigfoot's a collection of individuals within a tribe of hominids which allow themselves to kind of become all natural again and return to their... Um, natural wood uh, forest high altitude roots while the rest of their society just like the society of man shaves, bathes, and goes on to their jobs nine to fives inventing technology and keeping the uh, rat race running you know inside subterranean hollow earth cities which are more economically advanced and uh, you know climate controlled and, and self-sufficient than we would like to give them credit for they have seen the world of men, they have seen the political nature of man, they have made their negotiations and deals and treaties with man, they have no real desire to uh, 
infiltrate or to attack or be hostile as long as there is a peace kept, and there is, from higher authorities. They participate in the Solar Warden, they pay all tithes and taxes to live in territories, they basically uh, keep the peace between their own members of society when they can, and they cooperate fully with humanity on, on peaceful, neutral terms. They are just the people of the mountain, people of the, uh, the under-earth. They are human beings, genetically human. They just have different physiological features given to their uh, specific natural strengths and hardships and proclivities for size and things like that. They consider us um, just a smaller breed, a smaller sub-cousin. And really, they, we respect each other's intellect, we respect each other's civilizations, you know, civilities on a large part. Humanity only fears uh, the Sasquatch because of our own ignorance, our own uh, ego, and the fact that whenever we see them, it's like seeing, you know, a hippie who hasn't shaved or bathed in, in like a decade, like walking through the woods bare-ass naked. Um, not necessarily the best ambassador. Uh, at the same time, not the worst. You know, they got their head on right. They're very gentle and, and, and vibing creatures. But they're out just for a walk because they're on a prolonged camping, soul-searching trip. People do the same thing. Um, I can show you pictures of, like, Woodstock and things. And at the same time, human beings in the same country and same tribe were, were getting buzz cuts and fighting in the Vietnam War, in the backs of Hueys, and things like that. It doesn't limit your society or your species' capabilities to just want to, like, go barefoot, you know, at the Rocky Mountains for a little while, you know, because your society also affords it, and because you also have that kind of intellect and culture that you understand that, you know, we both like to kind of unplug... And, and go naturalist and I think it's called naturist in America and in, in Western society there are groups of people naturists they never wear clothes they live in nudist colonies from very young childhood ages to their very last days they rebel against um, the confines of conservative society and they are self-sufficient very nice people you're smart kind not crazy people exactly like, just because you don't want to wear pants doesn't mean you're fucking a monster and that's the that's the Sasquatches we meet. Unfortunately, that's the 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 paths that we cross with are the Sasquatches who are, you know, just going bare ass through the woods because it makes them feel better. And, you know, after after having uh, some kind of divorce in their society or like some kind of you know hardship in their own life, they're, they're whatever they just, they make their own choice. Point is, life's complicated for intelligent beings. Not everything is is as black and white as exactly as the Illuminati wants you to think it is. Not the best representative. The um, person hunting deer probably isn't a, a good representative for the whole of humanity, to be honest. I was like, it's like, I was hunting deer, and then I saw a Bigfoot who was, like, picking berries. You're like, surely the species could meet each other on better footing. Surely, surely are, are, both are capable of greater diplomacy and, and have a little bit more going on, you know, in their, in their mind and spirit space than just being like oh well we make closed toed shoes and oh you don't and then they make closed toed shoes too it's just that we met somebody who just doesn't wear them 
Exactly. Like, you'd be surprised if you saw Bigfoot in shoes, and you're like, what? wait, what? And you're like, yeah, we have shoes. We just don't wear them when we're, you know, picking blueberries because... <laughs> we the women also shave in their society too, and they look just like humans, but giantesses. And you're like, and, and they look their facial features are exactly the same, maybe a little bit more uh, African oriented with broader noses and thicker lips and and more solid brows. But it's just like seeing someone from like the Congo. And I'm not trying to be racist. I really am saying like, you see a shaved Sasquatch in real life. It's just like seeing someone from like, um, you know, Swahili or the Congo, like, you see that it's a human being. You see that they're a member of a very distinct genetic tribe that is not necessarily your tribe. But, you know, five fingers, five toes, two arms, two legs, you know, two eyes, two ears, you get it. Like, they're, they don't look less intellectually capable of you, they just look different than you. And it, it's like, it, it, they're, they're humans with all the variety and possibility of humanity. Just like, you know... Like, typically, you're not going to be the North Korean just walking around town because their society is kind of enclosed and also they're kind of just far away from us, like, you know, as a people. But if you met them, they don't really look like you, nor would they act like you because they have their own culture and things like that but at the same time by just thinking that they look a certain way and behave a certain way you're rather limiting them as human beings which is what the Sasquatch is you're rather limiting them as human beings ancient aliens absolutely time is irrelevant watch Doctor Who 9-11 is an inside job yes Wait till you get to the no plane theories. 9-11 is one of those things where it's, it's one of my favorite rabbit holes. The no plane theorists uh, believe that the planes that were used in 9-11 were holographic projections uh, CGI'd onto uh, footage that was confiscated from their original uh, uh, recordings and that there's only one legitimate uh, piece of footage of a plane um, hitting the tower and it was filmed, I think, in um, a tunnel, looking up. It's filmed uh, from a road, looking at the buildings. It's very strange. But that it clearly is not a plane, like a TWA flight. It's very clearly a military plane. And that, that might have launched a missile or a bomb or attracted... Richard D. Hall does a lot of great videos on the no-plane theory. The no-plane theory is incredible. It's uh, really kind of eye-opening. But yes, the whole thing was an inside job from the collusion of big media, say the NBC covering it live on Good Morning America, which is where I saw it from. Um, I saw the NBC Good Morning America show the impact and uh, then go on to have like an all-day like like live footage feed of it in Survivor's and, you know, thinking that that would obviously be the case, but now realizing it was all theater and a show, and it was all basically like a when they film movies in Manhattan and they closed things down and they had planted agents, and the fact that one of the engines, like, landed on the sidewalk and an FBI agent was, like, there, 
and like the passport survived, or one of the hijackers, and that there was like, it's it's one of those things where you start realizing that reality is all this this, this gigantic matrix of illusion and, and cooperation between many different factors, all of which deceive and seek to uh, keep you imprisoned in fear and paranoia. Uh, but I really, I think it was an, it was either targeted due to extraterrestrial uh, hostilities and technologies using extremely high frequency uh, direct energy weaponry that produced a Hudson effect. The Hudson effect disintegrated the metal and cement that connected and bonded the building um, because it was an accidental misfire or a long, long distance attack. It occurred over the course of an hour or more, you know, the actual, like, from impact to, um, total disintegration, and it was targeting, uh, specifically an alien computer that was kept, recovered from the ocean, and kept underneath the Twin Towers. In the plaza, and it was attacked by Orion Draco, specifically once they, this rogue, mysterious, enigmatic... Un, un, unexplainable maybe alternate dimension uh, invasion fleet of Orion Draco which appeared above Antarctica quickly set up a fortification there despite Solar Warden's um, defenses and attacks which they were eventually defeated and purged out of the area after 10 consecutive years of operations but they did appear in 2001 they appeared in 2001, right after the millennia, the Y2K incident. They appeared. Uh, luckily, the deep state, the government, had already infiltrated and done its uh, uh, backdoor programming of all the computers, media distributors, uh, large tech companies, things like that. Because with the Y2K scandal, to basically be able to censor and keep all information you know, delayed, been filtered through their uh, AI. Now, this was able to keep all the immediate news from ever coming out and also able to create the 9-11 hoax, which they did once... Um, they had already envisioned this was going to happen. Something was great was going to disturb the equilibrium of the world. You know, they read that through the ley line energy and everything, having their limited amount of precognition given to them by the chronovisor and um, the alien computer that itself was destroyed. Coincidentally, maybe it could not really see the future because it itself was going to be destroyed, so it was trying to see a moment which it didn't exist anymore in. And I think that uh, wasn't prevented, but I believe that the, the effects of it were mitigated specifically because we had prior pre-warning to it. And we did that independently, uh, even though we were we were allied to the Astra High Command. But the Astra High Command suspiciously did not get involved during this event. So Solar Warden was able to basically defend itself, defend Earth, and defeat a massive Orion Draco invasion fleet, uh, mysteriously with the help of an Elohim, which is extremely rare and invincible uh, type of ultra-terrestrial. And... Uh, Suspiciously, the Astro High Command congratulated us and rewarded us great, 
reward us, you know, handsomely uh, with technologies and with the Is syncing up. Probably added that part out. Making a fool of myself. But I see we're only on the first tier and we're only on, I think, the third line. Right? So, this is how I'm saying about this, this progression of series of videos. We'll be doing this probably for the first month of the new year. It looks like this is not going to be an easy feat because not only do I have this iceberg, which has four, um, so it has 12, 12 total, uh, four images, three in total, uh, three each. So yeah, 12 uh, tiers, each about the same size. There are three other icebergs that I posted up this past week, right? And this is kind of common in, in researching conspiracy theories, is that each iceberg is different. Each iceberg has its own unique uh, list, and, and each one of those items is a subject that is a rabbit hole made of rabbit holes. So I'll be trying to go through this and I guess make make this my project for the new year and everything because this is part of the independent journalism uh, aspect of community building, which I am endeavoring into now with this video and the efforts on the community and the platform, etc. So. We were on a rock for oil. 
Nostradamus. Nostradamus, the ability to see the future, to divine, using alchemical methods. He was actually a very powerful alchemist, and in some ways a very powerful sorcerer and wizard. People kind of negate that, but just kind of focus on his prophecies. Um, look into that. Magic is real. Magicians are real. Magicians have been historically a thing. King's courts had alchemists, sorcerers, you know, diviners of many different stripes, soothsayers, things like that. Atlantis. Atlantis is the major, major uh, source for most of what we know as real occult knowledge. Um, I've spoken about the Atlantis Moo hyperwar, but I don't think I've really elaborated on Atlantis. I think Atlantis is hard to elaborate on besides speaking about its physical dimensions because it's a culture, it's a state of mind, it's a form of philosophy. Um, it's like saying you're speaking about the samurai by speaking about their castles or speaking about the dimensions of Japan. The influence of the Japanese, specifically the samurai in the Shogun era, goes far, far beyond and affects billions and billions of people throughout the years, regardless of its own physical perimeters and dimensions and specifics. You could say, for example, that the population of mainland Japan um, during the Shogunite era was X amount of people. That does not in any way, shape, form accurately describe how world-affecting that culture truly was. And truly still is, and still it truly still will always be. In fact, Atlantis Rising is both a real specific thing with they're trying to return the citizens that used to live in Atlantis back to our timeline, basically resurrecting them as as embodied spiritual avatars in the form of AI and rebuilding their cities and things that are uncovering are their technology, their artifacts to return mankind once again to the the heart of Atlantis and to uh, recreating Atlantis, rising again as Atlantis. The Atlantis rising SSP faction is a diplomatic core of, of philosophers and intellectuals and uh, political scientists, etc., historians, um, that are seeking to create a pure... Atlantean philosophy recreated from the many confused uh, remnants of scripture recovered, you know, as well as communicating with extraterrestrials who previously communicated with Atlantis, you know, before the Atlantis move civil war. So basically, you know, to speak about Atlantis is to speak about something that was massive, massively huge and influential and powerful. A culture that had mastered time travel, astral projection, human spirituality, and liberated itself almost fully from the Orion Draco Archon uh, uh, mastery and, and had been doing so dominated the world, uh, the first empire to dominate the world uh, as human beings. Um, their main society was built upon the Atlantic coast, specifically the archipelagos of islands that stretched from the Atlantic coast, uh, alongside the Atlantic coast on both uh, eastern and western sides of it, as well as the inland American sea. There used to be a sea that covered most of the Great Plains from the Rocky Mountains, uh, the eastern side of the Rocky Mountains, out towards the Mississippi to the Appalachian Mountains. That used to be mostly underwater. And... Uh, 
this is where the Atlantis, uh, the Atlantis shallow water seafaring culture first sprang upon, was able then to turn and master the Atlantic Ocean and reach what we know as the European African side of the world. You know, connecting the two trades and, and building what we know as the ancient world uh, through their colonies in Egypt, etc., in Europe, etc. Um, so when the Atlantis Mu, because Mu was Pacific Ocean uh, centered nation of people, combined people, what we know as the Asiatic Oriental societies that were left over. When they engaged in their civil war, their attentions were put towards near the west coast of the United States and South America, leaving the ancient world rather ignored. And um, thus, when the mutually assured uh, destruction was reached, where Atlantis and Mu basically were phased out of our timeline into specific timelines of their own, alternate versions of reality where only one of them existed, thus preventing the the massive amount of war uh, warfare that lasted for centuries on Earth between the two, preserving the Earth itself from future destruction, which was inevitable in the state of war that was going on. Uh, the ancient world was really the only one, the ancient world controlled by Lemuria was the only one left uh, standing, was the only one left existing in our timeline. We come from this independent third party, this ancient world, Lemuria, which was made of survivors and refugees from both Atlantis and Mu. So uh, we're kind of like a uh, melting pot of society of both those countries, purposely having forgotten the teachings of either society because both societies engaged in incredibly devastating amounts of uh, hyperwar, ecological warfare, terraforming warfare. Uh, for example, they drained the move through its hostile actions, drained the inland seas of North America and completely dried them up, changing our uh, geography. Whereas the Atlantis society hit the world with a frequency that basically liquefied soft earth and caused what we know as the mud flood to bury Mu's capital country, Tartaria. Completely bury it in the earth itself. And uh, obviously these both, both these actions came with the loss of billions and billions of people. So, you know, there's a reason why they, the Lemurians call themselves the ancient and justified Lemurians. Because they, as a title from the country of nation of Mu, the ancient and justified elders of Mu, so that their actions, you know, go beyond reprieve and judgment because they're justified in their their course of life and their decision-making process. Same thing with the new uh, survivors of Lemuria, their secret societies and brotherhoods. Uh, perversely, though, are becoming now, they call it gold fever. Like when you become obsessed with the, the luxuries and the power and the wealth, the green-eyed monster that the society Atlantis and Mu once had, specifically the ability to control time, um, that is becoming like the Pandora's box that our society is urgently, urgently trying to open. Is now we can see through time, we can we can see it through the chronosphere visor. And, and we understand the chronosphere is like a mappable thing, like the idea of time. But really, we are trying to harness the ability to travel through time. And I believe it's only a matter of time. Because once we can 
basically come into contact with these uh, timelines, they're going to be feeding us the information to how to fix everything. I had to like return everything the back the way it was. Remember, these are not completely alien timelines. We're not dealing with other alien races and planets. We're dealing with versions of humanity, versions of Earth, which at one point were competing with each other and now have had uh, their own timelines to to exist independently and to grow and to reach their potential. So we're not speaking about weak. Uh, weaker versions of themselves we're talking about the strongest versions of themselves they can be ironically when these two timelines begin to merge atlantis and moo will be going you know for the death blow against one another and we're going to be caught right in the middle which is why you know it's always a double-edged sword with these things flat earth the Flat Earth PSYOP. Uh, I like the conspiracy theorist card. The, the game... Um, what was it The game Illuminati. The card game Illuminati has a card. And on this card, it's called the Flat Earth Society. And there's a picture of it, obviously, of a boat sailing off the edge. And it says, the Flat Earth Society may not be right about the Flat Earth, but they do know something. And it's kind of like, what do they know? Do they even know they know? Like, information that's kind of secretive? And really, the the answer is, I don't think the Flat Earth Society itself is aware of how important the Flat Society truly is. Not because of the accuracy of the Flat Earth model, but because they are questioning conventional cartography and map-making and, and gatekeeping uh, parts of our society that have been basically unchallenged for the last century, maybe two centuries, three centuries in the 1700s. So, uh, basically, you know what I'm saying? Like, what they're doing is much more important than why they're doing it. They may be mistaken in their uh, naive understanding of how the Earth should be, but because they're questioning how the Earth is presented to them, they are much more important to the grand scheme of things than they even realize. You know, it's better to ask a question you know, when you know the answer, when you, when you know there's something to question, you know, when you don't know the answer, it's better to ask the question than to just kind of like accept the answer and said, are you thinking for yourself? Are you observing things for yourself? Uh, the Flat Earth Society, in my opinion, is very important because they use personal evidence, they use personal experience, and they use community-sourced discussion over legitimate mainstream academics mainstream institutions of education such as NASA and things like that and they challenge and they question them as uh, moral entities like they challenge the idea of NASA as a corruptible and uh, in, in, you know uh, fallible system of of, um, of uh, agenda rather than as a kind of a holy white elephant of our nation, which which cannot be challenged or questioned, and kind of is like serves as like a new temple to like a pagan god that is science. Um, hopefully, like exactly like um, the idea of flat Earth being so censored, I think is censored on those lines. That um, it's censored because people don't want you to question anything, and they 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 know that flat Earth is a sensitive subject. And so, for example, when they send shills or sock puppet accounts to attack you, as they have attacked me about 
just approaching that subject's flat earth and they just send these automated attacks which they know are effective at demoralizing and um but it's clear they are not actually watching the videos but that somebody is paying for you know um making sure that anything having to do with flat earth is attacked that's when you know that something uh something's there you know something something's there that's worth uh looking into uh, there's a there's a little scale uh if the topic is good you know the shields will be high and then we'll have nothing but arguments if the topic is bad you'll have no arguments and little to no con- like you know uh hostilities presented by the public and you show something that's good and you'll have random accounts that have been active for like 10 years and have no subscribers that have no content no videos just coming out of the woodwork and attacking you um you know because that's just reality reflexively trying to guard itself so I think a lot the flat earth has got a lot of shit uh but I think it's because they were really kind of stirring up the hornet's nest. Mandela effect, same thing. I think a Mandela effect gets a lot of shit from mainstream society because its society itself is being controlled by reality, by, by, by I guess you call it the, the Matrix. And the Matrix is using these people like Agent Smith used people to kind of possess and to position, uh, you know, to, to serve as opposition as it tries to defend itself reflexively from anyone willing to question its continuity and its uh, its realness, basically. Because you can say Mandela Effect is proof that what we know is only fractionally real and that there are forces at play here which can, uh, in, like can invalidate things like our personal memories, our experiences, what we consider reality, what others consider reality, etc., and that there's really more to question. There's more to philosophize about. There's stranger things in heaven and earth than in your philosophies. You know, like, that, I think, is the, the, the Mandela effect itself. Specific versions of the Mandela effect, the Fruit of the Loom thing, they become, like, junior FBI agent level uh, uh, rabbit holes that people run through, which I think is important because people need to realize that they can actually tangibly provide evidence for things like the Bernstein Bears. That's something people researched. That's something people found evidence for. That's something people proved was the difference. They reached out to the creators. They reached out to the creators' families. They reached out to each other. And they had these discussions, these conversations. They began to question. They found evidence, you know, legitimizing their questions. Things like that. It's much different than, say, a foolish um proclamation with absolutely no viability to it it's actually quite the contrary it's it's um proclamation with absolutely no viability to it it's actually quite the contrary it's it's so undeniable because there is so much evidence for mandela effect type situations regardless of the specific effects say it started with Nelson Mandela. Somebody remembered him dead at a certain date with the funeral and the, the sensation, the news, everything, et cetera, et cetera. Some people then remembered his second date of death and then, you know, kind of just didn't add up uh, after CERN. But I think regardless of the specific case, the notion of the Mandela effect of things that you think are one way suddenly, seemingly 
unexplainably being a different way, the Star Wars uh, Luke, I am your father, no, I am your father, is as, you know, controversial and is also as much proof because people have physical copies of certain things. People have memories of certain events. There are cultural artifacts referring to specific events, which now do not correlate with actual reality. Actual current reality. That current copies of this film proceed in a certain way, which are contrary and different than the events experienced, remembered, and recorded previously. You see how that's a... It's a little... It's a little different than people want to... uh, uh, think about they don't want to give it credit they want to think it's specifically people misremembering things it's it's about people questioning the realities that they're in specifically the timelines that they're currently existing in or the versions of themselves like the idea that the multiverse theory um, is essential to the mandela effect that's important because people are now starting to think of themselves as multiversal beings beings which exist in multiple dimensions beings which have dimensional positions and placements, things that exist in fixed points of time or in fluid states of flux, etc, etc like I said before the Doctor Who, Stephen Moffat era Matt Smith era works with time travel and concepts of time travel amnesia, memories uh, memory uh, creation and uh, loss um, multiple existences and versions of existences um, say for example quantum immortality things like that they deal with concepts, these very heavy concepts and they do it in very uh, accessible ways so if you want to see the Mandela effect in play watch the Stephen Moffat era Doctor Who because that is absolutely the disclosure predictive programming side of things is this version of entertainment which works heavily heavily on the quantum level in the quantum scope of things Okay, Skinwalkers, the the Native American shapeshifter. The um, concept of the Skinwalker is very important because it's the combination of ultra-terrestrial and crypto-terrestrial with folklore. Basically, those two concepts, the ultra-terrestrial, crypto-terrestrial, is what is if an advanced, uh, you know, maybe predatory being existed as a hominid or in humanoid form specifically with the abilities to infiltrate and to uh, predate uh, humanity taking advantage of their uh, facial recognition uh, instincts as well as their uh, community, their their affinity for communities and for uh, companionship makes sense on that level but then they start bringing in the idea of shape-shifting of witchcraft of like negative dimensional entities demons things like that combining the crypto crypto connectivity of it being that you know you might have one thing which is a desert based you know um predator which is hominid which operates nocturnally uh which may possess certain physical attributes that are both extremely human-like, like humanoid, but certain abilities, such as the ability to quickly run, um, you know, for long distances, like, you know, incredible amounts of stamina, stealth, things like that, the cannibalistic approach to it, uh, to its lifestyle. Um, 
but with the Native American resident Aboriginal uh, religious interpretations of of them as they have of all animals and all animal life. A very interesting thing uh, thing about skinwalkers. I do believe, though, it is overblown because of the internet and sensationalism of the desert mythologies and the desert culture. Not saying that there's anything wrong with desert culture, and I actually am very, very uh, aware of how important desert culture is now to me, uh, specifically as a as a you know investigator of, of mysteries and on the unexplained and of the magic that are the people of the Southwest. But I believe that exactly that is more having to do with astral and cosmic powers and portals and forces, things like that. That's one of those rabbit holes that are made of many rabbit holes. And the religious culture of Native Americans is the interpretation using legend and magic to speak about scientific occurrences which are beyond their understanding. Um, such as seeing extraterrestrial uh, vessels, ships, subterranean cultures, things like that, from a very primitive tribal point of view, and doing their best to explain it as a cosmological worldview. Um, let alone that these these Native Americans were not uh, incorrect in their in their identification of these things as entities within the world they lived in. Just that we need to, as a Western society, be far more open-minded to how we would interpret the things that they experienced and how they would interpret the things that we experience. So it becomes something that's more of a cross-cultural need to uh, communicate better. Big Pharma. Most of the pharmaceuticals are controlled and operated by only a few companies, and those companies are controlled and operated by only a few individuals. For the hundreds of millions of Westerners in modern society that have to take uh, prescribed pharmaceutical medication, the system that they were born into that prescribed these medications and made them available has been a cartel since the very beginning. Since the very, very beginning. It has its roots in alchemical guilds. It has its roots in, say, for example, um, ancient, ancient uh, aristocratic pedigrees uh, involving, like, um, breweries, uh, narcotic industries, things like that. And it really is mostly set in Europe, specifically from Germany. So it's saying this is kind of the idea of the royal edicts and laws and decrees made concerning um, beer and wine and things like that. It, it goes on to ultimately evolve into the big pharma system. You know, there are rules and in, in Bavaria, for example, says that a beer has to be brewed to a certain recipe or it can't legally be called beer. You know, the idea that pharmaceuticals have to be processed to a certain degree or else they're not considered legal same thing, same spirit, same spirit of humanity, which is to control and to operate uh, from the state's level, and the king is saying that I am the state, you know, that the state is, is actually ultimately just a person, and that's how humanity uh, exerts its control, is through uh, farmer pseudocopia, it's mentioned in the Old Testament, it's from the ancient Babylonian ways, given to us by the fallen angels, the Anunnaki, and their control of uh, witchcraft, compounding, roots, things like that. 
So ultimately controlled and started by fallen angels. Chemtrails. Chemtrails, you know, that's bio, that's, that's climate engineering, that's climate warfare. We've had chemtrails in propaganda films since the 40s. And I believe that really the sinister aspect of it is quite often ignored because, yes, they're doing climate change now to keep the visibility and the, the reflectivity of the atmosphere to keep the temperature controlled due to the radiation being, you know, emitted by the sun um, in recent times, et cetera, et cetera. But it started as a <laughs> plan to operate long-distance bombers full of chemical biological weaponry uh, you know man-made viruses things like that anthrax uh, mustard gas and they were going to uh, spray civilians in hostile countries specifically Russia with these chemicals and do so in a way that it was going to be inescapable for any targeted area so really the mass genocide angle and paranoia is rightly deserved because this is the repurposing for scientific and uh, climate pur- like climate control purposes, weather warfare purpose- purposes uh, from basically one of the deadliest weapons operating systems of all time. And I say that with absolutely no... Uh, over-exaggeration, that the chemical, biological, chemtrail delivery method, tactic, uh, operative uh, ability in the U.S. arsenal is probably the most dangerous and fatal in terms of uh, uh, loss of life and casualty-inducing uh, weaponry. It's, it's on par with napalm. It's on par with uh, whiskey peat, white phosphorus. It's on par with um, nuclear weaponry, chemical biological agents emitted through uh, chemtrail spraying systems, aer- aerosolizing systems uh, from heavy bombers at high altitudes can absolutely obliterate the entire world's population if done appropriately, if done, if done uh, correctly. Um, and by correctly, I mean as as planned and theorized by the you know dark warlords sorcerers of the you know United States military. Um, look into Operation Slam um, or Pluto. Uh, basically, they had concepts of launching rockets that would circle the world multiple, multiple times, releasing highly radioactive fallout, specifically to poison the environment, as well as um, selectively, you know, obliterate targets with hydrogen bombs over a course of thousands and thousands of miles of range. Uh, I mean, really think about what mutually assured destruction is. It's not things go boom once and that survivors walk out. It's actual planning to kill and annihilate every single human being over the course of you know, however long and necessary it is. It's not a, a, a decision taken lightly with the hope of rebuilding society. It's a great reset in the way that it leaves no survivors except those designated to survive. 
That's chemtrails. Every time you see a chemtrail, that's the United States government using that to keep the uh, sun from burning your fucking eyes. But they're using a repurposed tactic that was designed to annihilate entire nations, much like the one you're living in. And the fact that this works and you're seeing it is proof of concept that it is effective and that one day might be used in anger, uh, you know, might be used specifically to murder human beings in a war. Like someone gave you a vaccine at the, you know, point blank with a barrel of a nine millimeter. It's, you know, you're afraid of it not because it's a shot, but because it is a weapon of death uh, that is being aimed at you. And yes, it's effective at delivering um, the vaccine or whatever, but it's not the fact that we're paranoid of the vaccine. We're paranoid at delivery methods, delivery systems, which, which. You know, which hammer a, a cord of of fear and dread in us because of our self preservation instinct. Freemasons, same thing. We don't really need to know about the ideals or the actual like uh, belief systems of a secret society to fear them because they are a secret society, and we have existed in the last century paranoid of people who operate in secrecy within our communities and assume positions within our society community of responsibility and prestige like oh we don't want our school principal like who teaches the elementary school our kid goes to to belong to a secret fraternity of grown adult men who conspire behind closed doors but then resume their nine to five jobs in contact and proximity with people who we care about you know and who make us vulnerable due to our emotions simple self-preservation uh, instinct at work here that the common person does not appreciate secrecy and thinks people who keep secrets are liars without ethics morals or uh, you know any kind of compass on their behavior thus the rumors are created beyond about Freemasonry, even though they may be a simple society of Kabbalistic uh, charity enthusiasts, uh, basically a, a Boy Scout club for grown men who want to uh, role-play Solomon's Temple and have access to esoteric knowledge, you know, that's all well and good. You can find that, those, those, that information in the public library. Um, just ask for the books, you know, like from Alpha Pretty Manly Hall. Uh, basically... That's not the thing. Um, or Alfred Pike, sorry, and, and, and Manly P. Hall. Sorry, Al, I combined the two. Alfred Pike, I'm terrible with names. Alfred Pike. Also, yesterday I mentioned uh, Brian Johnson 5. That's Dave Clark 5. I have no idea where I got Brian Johnson from. Absolutely verbal diarrhea on my part. Right? Blech. So basically, it was the Brian, it's the Dave Clark 5. It, was, it had more number one hits than the Beatles did at the time, like contemporary wise. Um, same thing here, even though Alfred Pike openly stated their entire purpose of their, of their worldwide agenda in the 1800s in a book, people think that their actions are, are secretive because their behavior is secretive. Their agenda is not secret. Their behavior is secret. Thus, it's very suspicious, very untrustworthy, and very unlikable. The average American 
operates on a simple instinctual acceptance denying um, like rejection principle if it approves it accepts if it denies it rejects and we deny the urge to operate secretly we have ethics we have a backbone a moral backbone in our society that is uh, incredibly powerful like everything that americans think about our discourse our ethical value system of right and wrong and so we have very well-defined ethics of right and wrong and the cumulative experiences which prove to us the validity of that moral compass of right and wrong and secrecy and secret brotherhoods and um, and swearing of oaths and things like that is often associated with malevolent untrustworthy unethical duplicity like affairs married marriage affairs we want to keep that secret we want to operate behind closed doors we want to operate uh with highly guarded affairs and things like that like uh reputations and there uh, are sexual fetishists and things like that wearing outfits and masks and ceremonies we don't like that we don't trust that instinctively as a society we reject that everything about that will have that kind of taboo sense to it freemasonry is just the same and it's often sensationalized specifically like the way nazis are, are sensationalized it's not so much accurate as it is an easy target you know it's not so much that they are ultimately all pedophiles and evil it's just that because some are pedophiles and evil and pedophiles and evil people share that same kind of priority of secrecy it's just easy to attack both at the same time <coughs> not apologizing for it or their actions but I am saying that there's definite um, sensationalism and fear to a lot of these uh, subjects Denver airport same thing airports themselves are rather shady Hollow earth entrances and subjects about the Illuminati are rather shady. They have a lot of, um... existing terminals which is what it is it's a flight terminal that are as weird and uh paranormal and uh nefarious and like infamous there are airports specifically for human traffickers specifically for drug trafficking illicit organ trade uh the vampires have been rumored to uh fly exclusively at night between airports and airports in alaska that's a thing that's an actual um urban legend that's been going on since the 70s is that there are entire communities of people who just travel between private airport to private airport in small private planes luxury planes and they do so as like this modern jet set type crowd sometimes people don't even land like for days and days on a time it's just these planes that are like self-sufficient uh little uh you know like rvs almost so like these same thing vampires have been theorized to be very nomadic basically and, and this is a way of 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 you know, it's a way of combining the old jet set culture with the new idea of elite Illuminati type activity. 
the same kind of people who would have reservations in the deep underground bunkers for possible world-ending scenarios simply because they can afford to and because it is something that the rich and elite do like and do partake in. They, they actually do shop and buy uh, safe rooms, uh, things like security systems, you know, like they are very very mindful about these things. Um, you know, is it paranoia inducing? Yes. Is it a conspiracy theory in itself? Absolutely, because it's about people conspiring to, um, to you know, probably link this airport with uh, deep underground military bases around the Rocky Mountains and things like that. Um, maybe an underground hyperloop for specific travel. Now, the murals and things like that, yes, they're very open. That's the, it's secrecy, but secrets are impossible in real life. Everything has to be related to the truth. And anyone who's exposed to the truth will instantly realize what's true and what's false. So people who have had access to the Denver airport, say, for example, seeing the secret hallways and knowing the budget, how much, you know, like the underground basements, how deep the facility really goes, they'll instantly start seeing that they're not being told what the true purposes are. They'll instantly feel suspicious. They'll instantly want to communicate and express this. At the same time, it does not answer what the true purpose really is. It does not really disclose what the implications of this facility truly are. I really think that it was a lot of, uh, it was kind of a nothing burger. It was just a regular NWO type facility um, that was constructed specifically to funnel in and money into deep underground military projects like the Hyperloop and things like that. Uh, serve as a type of way for maybe intermediate elites to gain access to the subterranean in case of doomsday scenarios like, you know, higher level mid-management type Illuminati members. Uh, specifically because that is a way they, they communicate and string themselves along is they allow access to facilities which they create for scenarios that their membership are intelligent enough to be afraid of. Like, the average intelligence of an Illuminati member is, is great enough to understand the danger posed by meteors. They would think then that a deep underground military bunker that's meteor-proof um, is worth investing in and cooperating with the secret society to gain access to uh, they are then allowed to go to Denver International Airport and do a little tour. You know, here's what your millions of dollars bought, you know, type thing. You can stay there if you want, you know, have your little parties. Uh, here's, here's, it's all legit. It's all above board. Like, you know, you're seeing it. They're satisfied. They go recruit. They go be happy little Illuminati foot soldiers. And then uh, the Denver Airport ultimately goes unused. The money gets siphoned and filtered away. And then the next thing happens, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I think that Denver Airport became so popular because around 2012, it blew up because of Jesse Ventura-level conspiracy, mainstream conspiracy theorists who were, if you guys weren't there for the Jesse Ventura uh, television show, Conspiracy Theory, very, very much the, the like, this is your Illuminati primer if you're mainstream and just learning about the stuff they do because it's so obvious it's literally painted on the wall it's literally written etched in stone it's literally like you know 
right in front of your face. You cannot absolutely be ignorant to the Illuminati once you knew the Denver International Airport. Cicada, Cicada 3301. Um, the, the attempt at deep state and rogue intelligence agencies to kind of uh, cooperate and uh, screen amateur outsider hackers to see which ones actually qualified like wild mustangs would actually be of service and could uh, be used to serve as type of an internet sleuthing anti-hacker white hat force uh, kind of a mercenary force um, yes there is a rabbit hole to that but that's really how most cyber security most cyber uh, espionage jobs in the intelligence are actually recruited for is through seemingly public uh, contests which show themselves to be extremely difficult as a calling card to the actual seriousness of the task involved. For example, crossword puzzles were used to um, to basically entice intelligent code breakers to volunteer, you know, to hone their skills and then ultimately volunteer for uh, positions in the OSS before the CIA was existent. Uh, and there are examples in World War One and War Two of codes being sent to infiltrators and saboteurs across the nations inside crossword puzzles, inside code books, uh, games, things like that. Basic puzzles, like word word games, things like that. So basically, it's not it's not insane, but it's a one of a long tradition. As I said the rabbit hole is very long, and that's how it's always been. People have been recruited from the masses of the ranks and file of the common citizenry through contests and games and scholarships and grants, specifically to work in the Department of Defense, military system, intelligence system, King's Court, police, etc. Given that their specialist skills are cunning, you know, and you can't really train cunning. It has to kind of be born. NPC, same thing. You can't teach genius, but at the same time, you can't teach mediocrity as well. Some people are born without personality. Some people are born as blank slates. And I believe they did a test and a survey um, at, a, at a major university, and they found out that I think 60% of mostly everyone doesn't have an internal monologue, or it's 30% of everyone doesn't have an internal monologue. So it's one in three people do not think. Like, internal monologue is they don't have an active, like, voice in their head conversing with them over about concepts or ideas that we know as our thoughts. They don't have, like, what we know as our conscience, like, that kind of voice that gives, that expresses what we're feeling or describes the world around us to ourselves. They just simply exist the same way that we think animals would exist. They just kind of, like, they're aware of the world. Uh, but thinking is an actual effort on their part. And if they don't have to think, they will just follow habits and muscle memory and uh, behaviors that require, you know, just to be stimulated. And, uh, like, they're very passive. At the same time, they don't make opinions. And they don't have, like, critical thinking skills. If you tell them to think something, they will. And if you tell them to feel something, they will. Specifically, just to kind of, like, agree with their need for companionship and accept like, things like that. Like people, they still have basic needs. Like if they need, if they're hungry, they'll seek to be fed. 
and if they can't feed themselves, then they'll do what's necessary to be fed, as in, like, uh, initiate a conversation or, you know, feign friendship, feign uh, concern, so that they can fulfill their basic need, but have, like, it's been confused with psychopathy, but it's actually type of psychopathy, a sociopathy, where it's they don't really feel anything. They just kind of are in the moment. Whereas psychopathy can involve sadism and some kind of like mental issue, uh, insanity, th- madness, things like that, fixation, obsession, um, you know, post-traumatic stress, like need to, to uh, obsess. Um, no, they don't have that. They are just simply the other version of it, like where they're just basically uh, lobotomized dullards from birth. And they never really had a ability to form real personalities. Thus, they are NPCs. They're non-playable characters. Even if you were able to be in them, you wouldn't... Like, if you brought your personality into them, you would be then a real person. They don't simply have the thing that you know as a personality. They don't simply have the thing that you know as a real life. They don't have the things that you know as, like, a soul. They are simply sheep. They are sheeple. Like they are mass-produced sheeple. Meme magic. Meme magic. Oh, man, we're already getting to the two-hour mark. You know what? I'm going to save it for that. And I guess we'll follow it again a little bit later this afternoon. Um, but, yeah, two hours in the can of speaking about these conspiracy theory titles. And I have... I still am on the, the first one. Um, halfway down so by that calculation it'll take 24 solid hours of speaking about the first iceberg chart the first conspiracy theory iceberg list 24 hours alone on this so yes I actually kind of did format for my or at least fix for myself a pretty pretty solid uh, schedule a pretty full plate of information to share and that's not even the most complicated one this is kind of the more basic one but yep uh, Rome wasn't built in a day Uh, reality isn't going to be explained in one either so let's uh, let's take a little break I guess for you guys this has been two hours of of constant uh, communication and conversation so thank you all very much for having patience and listening to me. Uh, however you're seeing this, either on YouTube or through the podcast, which is uploaded on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, a- Apple Podcast. Uh, Anchor is the original platform. It gets distributed out through many different uh, little avenues. And I'm incredibly appreciative of that service. So I definitely have the best things in the world to say about Anchor. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I have a new Instagram page where I post memes, pictures, things like that, which are related to the conspiracy theory work I'm doing, the journalistic work I'm pushing for, as well as uh, the interests that are fulfilling, you know, myself as a as a creative person, the things I'm writing about, things that inspire me. Basically, share, uh, you know, your thoughts on it through the DMs. Contact me for collaborations or for a special guest appearance if you're a content creator. I've already kind of. Uh, did the shout out and asked for that but I'm always going to ask about it um, if you're a content creator amateur content creator into independent intellectual uh, you know obscure philosopher or uh, you know real rational objective thinker on anything unorthodox or alternative definitely reach out to me the rumors of instinct podcast you can listen to an episode to get a feel for it feel safe it's a safe spot 
for discussion. Absolutely, I honor all my guests and appreciate every single one of them. I give them uh, the limelight to, to speak, the spotlight to take center stage, and definitely offer um, meaningful conversation as well as interview them uh, and give them as much time as they need to uh, speak about whatever issue as long as it's informative and uh, you know interesting that's that's really the only limit is if it's interesting so thank you all very much reach out to me comment uh, section below has all the contact information for my email patreon paypal if you want to support me there leave a comment just let me know what you think of the video i appreciate all your feedback so i can help improve or, or you know what i need to change and all that definitely just tell me what works what doesn't work tell me your own experiences with these conspiracy theories absolutely love enjoying the conversation with each and every one of you out there in my community um yeah it's been it's, it's my honor to be speaking about this stuff i wouldn't be speaking about anything else if i had a choice this conspiracy theory world is mine uh you know this is stuff i look at daily and I hope to share and uh, reach out to people who are also as fascinated and observant with the reality they live in, like reality junkies, um, you know, anonymous. So thank you all very much. This is Rumors of Instinct 1987. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much, everyone out there in Dreamland, for taking this ride with me. Catch the Rumors of Instinct podcast, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Definitely always new episodes uploaded. This is being simultaneously recorded um, to be an episode on there as well. This will be uploaded to YouTube. Check it out. Share it. Social media. I'm not on Facebook, so if you guys want to share it on there, thank you all very much uh, for doing so and uh, having my back. Uh, reach out to me with your projects and I'll support you as well with um, shout outs and in cross promotion so thank you all very much Namaste and Shalom